Whether you're a polyamateur or polyambitious, polyambiguous or polyam, I really hold your head high. Let your freaky flag fly, cause your polyamory should be uncensored. Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. Welcome to episode 69, where we're going to be talking to Cooper, Brandon, and Gina about all sorts of fun things, including the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right. So uh, as we are wrapping up our series on play parties with episode 69, woo, uh, we are going to be just talking about hosting your own play party, uh, specifically for us, uh, a polycentric play party. And what does that mean? What is the difference between that and like a basic or uh, your run in the mill play party? <laughs> so yeah, uh, let's introduce our guests. Cooper, if you'd like to go first, who are you? Sure. Um, I'm an author and podcaster. I've been uh, writing books and podcasting about non-monogamy since 2010. And I have thrown a huge number of play parties in that time, including a yearly trip to Desire, which I count as one giant play party with little play parties inside. It's like the the pizza where the pizza crust is more pizzas. <laughs> it's a uh, play party inception. Awesome. All right. So, Brandon, who are you? I don't know. I'm no one special, uh, but I have been on the podcast before here a couple of times. Record holder. Uh, you have now been on the podcast more than any other guest three times. Wow. <laughs> yes, I was, on the, I was on the unicorn uh podcast, which I forget the episode uh, of that, but that was my last panel podcast as well. I also uh, do have a background in throwing uh, play parties. I was inspired by some of the things that uh, I had actually gotten to experience uh, at one or two of the desire trips. And uh, so I began doing things. Actually, one of my the most interesting types, uh, which we'll talk about later that I like to do is the uh, I guess it's not really, I mean, it's a play party, but it's not, but it is, it's, it's fun. It's playful. It's uh, the, the state of undress movie nights, which I think are kind of fun and unique in their own way. And yeah, I thought it would be great to come on here and talk about play party throwing. Awesome. And Gina, who are you? I am a podcast newbie. This is my first time and I'm excited to be here. Um, I've been a part of the Milwaukee Poly Group for a very long time now, and I've been attending some of the parties. And when they needed a house one month, I looked at my husband and said, we can get rid of the kids for a night. <laughs> and so I've hosted a handful about um, of parties, and I think that's about it. <laughs> Right. So Cooper, what I was really present to when you were talking about the play parties inside play parties is like it's mm -hmm. like fractal play parties. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's, it's the same all the way down. <laughs> it's filled with tinier play parties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> On a cellular level. I love it. <laughs> all right. So um, I just have a little list here of questions that are like the most frequently asked questions when I talk about poly specific play parties. And I think the most obvious one is what makes a poly play party versus <laughs> what makes a swingers play party? Well, I've thrown both. Um, so I was, I was a pretty traditional swinger for a long time. And so a swinger play party is very much, we're inviting couples and maybe a few single women, if we can find any, because they're rare, because they're unicorns. And the idea is most couples play together so they will find another couple or two other couples and split off into a room. And that's really a swinger play party. It's very heteronormative. It's very, um, <laughs> it's, it's hard to use the word traditional. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking party. that when you said you've thrown traditional play parties or were a traditional swinger. <laughs> it really, it really is. You know, it's, it's it's the it's the least uh, you can do and be progressive in the in the open sexuality arena because the open sexuality of it is very much just open relationship sexuality. The the sexuality isn't the open part. It's the relationship that's the open part. Um, and, and that's very generalizing. You know, I've, I've been to a lot of swinger parties that aren't so traditional. But when uh, so I got divorced, um, Jesus, uh, a long time ago now, uh, eight years ago. And my wife, my ex-wife got all the swingers in the divorce. And so I really refocused my exploration. And I was lucky enough to be invited to uh a sex party, not a play party, uh, not a swinger party. And the difference there was it wasn't couples who are swingers being invited to come over and, and swing. It was um, an open person hosting and inviting anyone who was curious about coming over and joining a sex party. And what that did is it opened it up uh it was also on the north side of chicago so it opened it up to a lot more queer people and without the swinging constraint and it's not really constraint it's just when you go to a swinging play party you have an idea of what the party is so without having that idea of what the party is I found it was so much more flexible and fluid in how the play happens and um, very few like firmly coupled people were there. It was a lot of uh, individuals and it was a lot of people who are poly. So this is what gave me the really the first um, view into an alternative style of play party where it's more go with the flow, I think. And immediately then I really adjusted my yearly desire trip to capture that style of interaction because it was so much more gratifying than a traditional swinger play party, which often gets into the, Hey, I fucked five people. How did you do, you know, level of 
discourse. And I, I'm embarrassed to say that I have I have judged the success of a play party based on the literal number of women that I fuck at it. I went down to a part. Uh, it was the probably the only actual traditional swinger party that I've ever gone to. I mean, it was on its on its surface, at least down in Ohio once. And it was definitely a weird thing for me to be there as sort of like a solo guy. In fact, they, they had to, as we were, they were, they decided for that trip only, I think that to, to, or for that party that they were doing, they didn't usually do it, but they did like a kind of a welcome circle. And they actually made a point to introduce me as a special guest of the host (laughs) so that I didn't get looked at funny throughout the night. Um, And I mean, it was still fun, a fun hangout, but it was very much like, like you described, everyone kind of broke off into their separate rooms and, um, and, and that was that. Also, there are no welcome circles at swinger play parties. Yes. Yes. This is, this is a new thing. In fact, I think people weren't sure what to make of that. Yeah. Swingers who arrive at a party know exactly what they're supposed to do and how they're, they're planning to interact. They don't need to be told the rules because they're not going to follow the rules anyway. Uh, in fact, the last swinger heavy play party I ever threw was with Dylan from the, the swing set podcast. And it was the only time we ever said to people, feel free to invite your friends. And after that party, there were literally used condoms hidden under cushions on the couch. Oh, oh no. And like it was oh. it was the first time I'd ever heard the words. Oh, so you want to use condoms? Oh, no. And, and oh. It's like, I mean, seriously, Dylan and I navigating this play party was like we were we were shocked because we'd sort of cultivated a small swinger group and that small swinger group was what we always called the progressive swingers and the non-progressive swingers didn't like that <laughs> but as soon as you got out we we just assumed that our group was representative of the swinger community and it wasn't our group was very very much uh, far more aware of what we were doing and far more considerate of what we were doing. It was also the party where a girl literally got so drunk when her husband tried to take her home, she couldn't stand on the way to the uh, front door. It was... Oh, my. It, and actually, we did a whole episode about it. It was the worst swinger party we've ever thrown or been to. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. I do think there's also a big difference in like assumed consent or explicit consent. And uh, often the parties that are like more poly focused are also a lot of like our communication heavy and consent is a huge deal. Welcome parties, things like knowing what people are up for before you even approach them are are really important in the parties that I've ever gone to. Uh, And so, but in hearing like you and Dylan talk about parties previously with swingers it's like oh no that stuff is assumed and i'm like yeah. you can't assume consent you can i i you know it's it's like Basically, honestly swinger, it's like beyond me <laughs> yeah the swinger ones it i mean it's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say that in any way swingers in general are not consent focused they're sure. just consent focused in the older way which is i'm gonna touch your shoulders i may kiss you and if you tell me no i'll stop rather than 
I'm going to get permission to do anything. And that is a very much a generational thing and a societal expectations thing. Because when we start talking about in the swinger communities, the level of consent that the poly community or the BDSM community has come up with, we get this what you so I'm supposed to ask before I do everything. It's like, well, yeah, at a certain point, you'll be told that you don't have to ask anymore. But yes, you should ask before you shove your fingers inside someone. It's it's just polite. It really <laughs> it's is just, just polite. polite. Yeah, <laughs> it's mandatory and polite, you know. <laughs> and maybe before you stick your tongue down somebody's throat. Yeah, probably That's also a good too. time to like help. May I kiss you is very sexy. You'll also find out if that person you're about to kiss has just uh, swallowed a load of cum because, (laughs) you know, they they might want to tell you so you can make an informed decision of whether or not you want to kiss someone who just swallowed a lot of cum. Absolutely. Uh, Well, the first the first uh, person uh, I that I talked to uh, at um, the first time I went on that desire trip, they were. They, they were, they were very like, they came over and they were like, can I kiss you? And I'm like, yes, that is. And I was like, I, I feel like I'm going to be okay with this group. This group is, <laughs> is good. Nice. I've never been to a swinger party. Uh, only ever been to the poly play, any poly play parties. And that sounds super intimidating as somebody from outside that circle. If I were to be invited to a party like that, and get there and there's no welcome circle, no getting to know people that are there. And, oh, I would be lost. Well, I mean, the idea is you will sit around and talk to people to get to know them, but it's up to you to interact with the people because there's no introduction. So you're going to find the people you want to interact with and you go talk to them. But then, you know, the clock's ticking. And if I want to fuck, you know, five people tonight, uh, we got to get we got to get to this. Come on. (laughs) That's why they were so that's why they were so against the welcome circle. Maybe. Yeah, it just takes (laughs) too much time. One last thing about that, though, was funny because when they were going around the circle, and they were asking people kind of what they were up for that night. The one one woman, I just remember she was totally mystified. She was just like, "Uh, anything just don't come in my hair. Yeah, (laughs) that was that was her only requirement. Well, that's, that's a good, limit. clear limit. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. I, I mean, it got a good chuckle out of everyone, but I mean, it was clearly a novel thing. <laughs> well, and you know, there's someone at those parties that's just like, I'm going to come in her hair. Oh, no. <laughs> there's always that guy. Oh. Also, yeah. going into like the basics of hosting your own party, I think knowing ahead of time if you want to have something like a welcome circle is a good thing to know if you want to have rules uh house rules explicitly stated either in the invite or on like you know if you're doing things through facebook or an email invite or whatever kind of like messenger you have for uh getting to all of the guests you might want to tell people your rules ahead of time or let them know in the welcome circle and you don't have to have a ton of rules you know a lot of the parties i've been to have like 10, you know, like 10 rules, top 10 rules, things not to do in this house or whatever, you know, or to do in this house. Throw your condoms (laughs) into a trash receptacle. Right. I mean, honestly, leaving the place better than you arrived is is like the campsite rule, as I think Dan Savage calls it, is a is a very common one. You want to clean up after yourself. You don't want to leave glasses and cans anywhere. You don't want to leave like garbage uh, condoms or, you know, like plates whatever the case you know whatever the case may be you don't want to leave that everywhere 
or it ends up being like the last people who leave the party do like a cleanup and that shouldn't be on any one or two people. And it definitely shouldn't yeah. be on the host who's like volunteering their space. But yeah, you know, keep cleaning up after yourself is really important. Well, I think to your point, too, about like the really drunk person letting people like, you know, drinking is fine or it's not whatever your yeah. house rule is. But like, please don't get so drunk that you can't, you know, walk to the down the stairs when it's time to go home right. <laughs> or give good consent. That was always a rule that I would like to say is, is, you know, like you can't if you can't give good consent or receive good consent, you can't be at the party. So mm-hmm. being yeah. too high is also a, a thing. And that's often hard to monitor because they might have gotten really high before they came to the party. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we and- do. We did ask people not to pregame parties after we had someone show up drunk to an event. And it was oh. like, OK, well, you just violated a whole lot of rules here. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the rules are, I mean, rules are definitely things you want to put out there for people. I mean, it can't hurt to double up on them, um, both uh, like go over them quickly during a welcome circle and and send them ahead of time. Um, and, then, and then the really important thing is, I, I think along with that is actually being able to, I guess, enforce those properly, like being ready and willing to do that. That can be a really hard thing, especially if mm-hmm. you it's not something you you assume or you imagined your guests would do is to like violate those. Being able being able to do that in you know a kind way, but also in a way that's protecting all of the people at yeah. the party. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not confrontational at all, and I'm I am bad at that. Um, I, I am too. Yeah, we actually did have to eject one person from that party. It was it's weird because I throw parties because I want to be at a play party. You know, I don't throw parties to be a host to be I like the, the dungeon because, monitor or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so at the beginning of that party, we were playing like normal. And then as we started to see the party shift on us, we realized we need to actually monitor this party so we can't be engaged in any uh, distracting playtime. And and that's that sucks. And then that's also the reason that I only will invite people to play parties that I have talked to and and know in some way or are I've, I've added the rule of if you bring someone to this party and they're an asshole, you get you get kicked out, too. Right. You know, that's so, that's the rule. I imagine some of our listeners maybe have not had much play party experience or any play party experience. How would you suggest that somebody sort of throw their first play party? OK, uh, well, Here's so there's an episode of the show called Party Down, um, <laughs> which is a great show and and highly recommended. But there's an episode where they're catering an orgy after a guy just got divorced, and on the invitation he neglected to use the word orgy. Oh, because he was being he was being cutesy about it. He called it an eyes wide shut party, but no one saw the movie Eyes Wide Shut because it's a long and ponderous Stanley <laughs> Kubrick film. Um, so you, you need to be specific in what it is. Absolutely. Because the thing about our society is, I mean, the reason swingers can have so many parties is they have a very specific way of interacting with each other. They don't assume that everybody interacts that way, but they assume that if you're a swinger and I'm a swinger, we can interact in a different way. So if you tell people we're going to have a party and you can have sex with people at this party at our house, you don't have to hide it. You don't have to disappear into a bathroom for a quickie. You can actually do this. 
It's about consent. It's about interaction. That's you be as as quirky and nerdy and clinical up front, because that's what allows people to be comfortable in trying things. Because I'm assuming if you've never thrown a play party before and never been to a play party before, you probably don't know a lot of people who have play parties, because if you did, you probably would have gone to one. And if you have the opportunity to go to one as someone who would like to host, go to a play party because it is important to see what play parties actually are and not just take what play parties are perceived to be in media into account. Because I've never seen an accurate depiction of a play party in mainstream media because play parties are just like cocktail parties. Honestly, we hang out, we catch up, we drink a little, we mingle. And the only thing that's different is our play parties have a third act where people start (laughs) fucking. You left out the cheese board. There's there's usually a cheese board, especially Wisconsin. Yes, 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 absolutely. The the key, I think, if you want to throw a play party is being willing to say to friends, This is something I want to do. I'm inviting you because I don't know if you'd want to do this or not. But if you do, I want to be that safe space for you to do this. And I I was surprised by my friend who threw these play parties in Chicago, Mr. Pent, who most of you know, Mm -hmm. is that he just got friends to come to his play party. You know, he, he just these people had never done play parties before and, and never interacted in this way. But they came and they had a great time. And it's actually changed the way I invite to play parties, like rather than invite only people that I know are in open relationships, which is the way I used to do it. I will invite anyone who I feel sort of has an inkling toward openness And just say, look, you're welcome to just come and watch. And I'm not saying anything about you with this invitation. But if you want to play, you play. And the last few that I've been to, uh, my friends who'd never done that before really came out of their shells and interacted and had a great time. It it was really cool. Yeah, I've been to a few play parties where you'll have partners that will only play with their partner. Yeah, they're not they don't. Not they might be open, but they might not be open that night. So they'll only play with their partner. And it's nice to let people know that that's totally fine. You can watch. You can just play with that one person. You can say no to every single person that yes. asks you. You know. Um, yeah, you will not be expected to play. That is an yeah. important thing because some people do assume if you're going to come to a party, you will be expected to play. Yeah, or feel pressure or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm you know mm-hmm. so don't just like send out a all alert broadcast on oh no way. never <laughs> never never yeah. people you trust and that you know to be in your house you know and to be naked with you yeah. and that aren't going to blur consent boundaries or be judgmental and invite people that are more outgoing than you are, especially if you're on the shelter thing. Like I love the idea of play parties and I love going to play parties, but I am on the shyer side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And if I had never been to a party and wanted to host one, 
we would do nothing but stare at each other all night. <laughs> 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 Unless else I need the cheese board. The ball. Yes, so you need a pace couple. We always call it the the pace couple that's going to get the fucking started. You need someone to be willing to do that, or at least someone to be willing to be the first person to just take off their clothes. Yeah, because a lot of people will just sit around. Even even experienced play partiers will just sort of sit around and stare at each other if they're feeling more introverted on that day. Yeah, and you need someone who's not that. And I've been lucky enough that I always have a friend who is desperate to be the first one naked at the play party. <laughs> just not because she she needs to fuck everybody, but just because she wins. There. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great frame for it, actually. I might have to start thinking about it. Yeah. that way. First one naked wins. Yeah. I mean, wins what? But wins. right. Yeah. Just wins. Yeah. I uh, I tip, I sort of tiptoed or, or dipped toes into hosting a party for the first time. I um, so I mean I'd done a lot of like I don't know group sexy situations with people before I started thinking about uh, like actual party settings. It was usually with a few, just a couple of other people, trusted friends, things like that. And I don't know, like I also used to host movie nights and. Uh, I loved to get people together, watch a cheesy movie, do something, you know, whatever, just have some food. It was, it was very much the cocktail party with a movie, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I think it was, so it was summertime and we were at a polysocial. Yes. And I think I, I was like, Gina, we should do a movie sometime. <laughs> and in my, in my place, but the, the house I was living in, it was this like historic home it was like 160 170 years old it had no air conditioning i'm like but it's it's still summer it's got i'm like it's going to be hot maybe we should, can we do can we do a naked movie night or maybe you suggested it could be, we could be naked yeah because uh, i've been in your house before yeah <laughs> i knew that the how the temperature was that in the winter it's cold in the summer it's really hot and i was like well just so you know if you're having it during summer i might not wear any clothes Right. And I think I, I was also in on that conversation. Yeah. And at the time I was pregnant. And so I was like, Hey, you know what? I uh, don't want to be pregnant and naked in front of a bunch of people. I don't necessarily know, <laughs> but scantily clad. Okay. With I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we tossed some names around and I think eventually you came up with the classiest one, which was state of undress movie night, which mm -hmm. is what these ended up settling on. And they were kind of gateway parties and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> there were no like we weren't really kind of doing a lot of, in, in our community we weren't really doing like play like poly play parties or anything like that and i had wanted to ever since i had done um i'd done a massage party thing down at desire uh i was like wow you know something like that that's sexy and and fun and playful but isn't necessarily like sexual mm -hmm. like actual like like that would be a great thing to do. And I'm like, and I know just the people I could ask that are open-minded enough that they would come to these things uh, and just see where they go. Because maybe eventually I will have a core of people. If I decide I want to host a, a play party yeah. that they will be able to, and that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, I, I think, it, I think the, the, the state of undress or the SOU movie nights kind of have topped out at about 15 people, which is quite a bit. Um, yeah. Uh, for uh, watching around watching a movie and the play parties ended up, you know, eventually getting to like maybe double that size. Uh, yeah. But I did, I did those for a while. And then I, th I think I was like, well, okay, I, I kind of want to do one of these, but let's do like an intermediate thing. So I took the same group of people and said, well, let's have a dinner and like massage night or a massage party. And 
And some people that normally came to it wouldn't, weren't able to make it that night. And other people, it, basically, I was like, let's just get like a small, like, I don't know, half dozen, maybe 10 people tops. I've got a big couch. So let's, let's see what we can make happen. Uh, and we did that. And at that point, I was like, all right, people seem very comfortable with the touch aspect now. I mean, the main thing with SOU movie nights was like, don't fuck each other. Like, if yeah. you get down a certain point... I'm going to send you down into my creepy spider filled basement and mm-hmm. you guys can fuck around down there if you want to. Yeah. And of course wanted to risk that. So, you know, I specifically was- remember you like being like, okay, this we're naked, but this is just a movie night. This isn't a play party. And then it's, it was stayed that way for probably a good couple of months. Like the first four or five yeah. parties, there might've been, there was some snuggling, some cuddling, maybe a few kisses. And then you could just tell people were getting comfortable with that idea of like a play party. And then somebody started making out with somebody else. And then you got to the point, you're like, if you go any further, you're going downstairs. (laughs) So eventually eventually, that that worked out. That was a really good way to, I mean, to like, you know, gather people together that, that had that interest. So you could form that core of people uh, that hadn't really been, to play parties or had very little experience, let's say with them. I think everyone had some, but, but, but then, uh, then getting, making that switch, I, I finally decided that, that that switch needed to happen. Cause one, one of the nights, and this kind of goes in with the rule earlier about that you talked about, about deciding what a party should be early on mm-hmm. and making sure everyone knows there was a part, there was a movie night where we were down to like, I don't know, but there was like six people, seven people left and the vast majority of those people were all looking at each other like, yeah, this is going to happen. We should, we, we need to, we like the movie's over. Or the, movie was, oh, wow. the movie was bad. Oh, I know. The movie was really bad. It was called Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. It was a terrible <laughs> movie. Yeah. Um, and so everyone's interest waned away from the movie and to each other. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the movie night went sexy. And at that point, the, things were going really good. But there was there was a person who was at the party who probably just really wasn't all that comfortable with that. And I didn't, you know, sex brain. What I didn't think about it at the time. Mm-hmm. And that caused some some problems eventually. I mean, everything's worked out. We're all good. We're, we're good, you know. But I realized at that point, I need to really make a clear distinction, a separate event for the sexy nights so that everyone knows what to expect. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, um, you know, I had a group of people who were interested and they just started. And um, I, you know, I, I think that was some of my last couple of months on Facebook before I ditched it back years ago uh, and um, make, made a Facebook event for a sex party. That was like the trippiest thing ever. Um, oh yeah. I, I had, I had some Facebook uh, sex party events. Yeah. yeah. My favorite was when I used to use Evite. <laughs> right. <laughs> Because I go through my Evite list, you know, how you send it to the people already in the list and need to make sure I was selecting the correct Tom. Because it's very easy to accidentally invite someone to a play party uh, when using devices like that. (laughs) Brenda, I also tried the hybrid thing. Uh, We had a couple uh, parties when we were trying to host uh, something called Sex Positive Chicago, where we would have um, a sex positive movie and then there'd be a distinction time. It's like, OK, so this is this is the barbecue and movie portion of the night. And then at this point, if you want to stay, you're welcome to. But there will be pre- sex very likely. 
And uh, we would watch a movie like uh, Hedwig and the Angry and Short Bus, you know, the sexy, but not, not I mean, porn. Short but, Bus is yeah. almost porn, but yeah, but, it is. <laughs> but it's still a movie. And uh, and we get to that point and like people wouldn't want to go, but they didn't want to stay. And so it was it was like, look, you you don't have to stay. But if you do, you have to be cool. <laughs> because you know the deal we told you the deal yeah yeah and that actually made i mean that was the, some later movie nights did occasionally go that route where there we'd be down to like the last handful of people who were like yeah i'm okay i, I think we're, we're all are we all we're looking at each other we're all good with this yeah and we would the question would usually be asked and then things like that could happen um but uh but i i i feel like th- that is one of the most important things is to clearly define what that night is going to be and then really do your damnedest to stick to it because yeah. uh, it's only fair to the people who are coming to this thing. I mean, for instance, people might come to a movie night and drink more than they would if they were going to a play party night. Right. Oh, for sure. Right. Um, and uh, and so it, it's just it's I mean that or or they might be they might be interested in coming to a play party, but they really don't like um, impact play and, yeah. and that, and, you know, having either a space for that or, or saying that this is a night for these things, not for this, or this, this night is for more kink stuff and not for, you know, I mean, have, I think that's a really important thing. Um, and if you don't do that, uh, you know, I, I feel that there, you're either, you're either you're going to be talking to someone about it throughout the night, or you're going to be talking about it and explaining after, yeah, after exactly. Part, you know, there's going to be a cleanup. But I think that is important for you as as a budding host to understand is that none of us are successful at the beginning. Yeah. The biggest thing I learned is not to program the play party, not to say, OK, well, they can have they will have sex with them because they like them already. And <laughs> like I used to have like there would be a couple that I knew it was awkward and never seemed to hook up. And it was like, oh, well, if I invite them, are they going to bring down the mood of the party unless I invite someone who I know would like them and play with them? Sometimes I would have those people invite their own people because then, you know, you can assume, OK, well, you're you're good, but you, you're not going to learn it in the in the first try. You're not going to get it right away. It takes you know, I, like I've said, I've been throwing play parties for over a decade and not all of them have been good. And the the less rigidly planned play parties are the best now. And the only thing I plan is to have the welcome circle at the beginning, because I found that that is the most important thing at a play party, because it does it does so many things that welcome circle it will establish the rules for the house it'll establish the rules for the event it'll establish the general societal rules about consent which are important to establish because people don't necessarily know them and it will usually i do the thing uh the mildest and wildest game which is where you ask everybody to say what is the mildest thing that could happen to you that you think could happen to you tonight and what is the wildest thing you think could happen tonight and these don't have to be you saying i want to do these but it's just your perception of what it is because that act gets people to say things that spark 
interest from other people. And then you know who to talk to at the beginning, because otherwise you close the welcome circle and everyone just sits there and stares at each other or disappears into the kitchen for hors d'oeuvres because nobody really, nobody in society really knows how to hit on people. <laughs> that is where I also think spin the bottle can come in very that It can yeah. be very helpful. In oh, fact. Yeah. yeah, I was yeah. going to ask, what do people think about icebreaker stuff? Because that was the, the first, because yeah. I never did got to do that. I was, I was, you know, I, I, as I think I've said it earlier. In high school, you I, mean? In high school, yeah, I, me neither. I, I was more of a, like, I'm going to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, I never got to do any of that. And I, Brandon, I think we would have hung out in high school. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think, yeah, I think All of us, for yes. sure. Yeah, actually. I yeah. So. Um, but I, the first party, I was just like, you know, I, I really want to start things off fun. So I'm like, let's just spin the bottle. And I, I st think I still actually have it. It was a Louis demise bottle, a Louis resurrection bottle from, from, the, from Milwaukee brewing. I, I, decided to, let's just do that and let's just see how many people participate and there were actually people like waiting in some places to get in to get in for someone to get up so they could come and yeah. sit down there and i think i, I don't remember i also was, remember that your floor was warped yeah so yep. <laughs> there were a couple people was, who got it every single so you, time you knew where yeah. to sit really. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least one of them uh if you don't mind me saying Lindsay, i think you were the one that we all decided one spin yeah. the bottle it <laughs> kept like the the floor was warped in exactly my direction. It was it was great. Yeah, <laughs> year old house. Yeah. Um, but the problem with the game like spin the bottle, I've always felt, is there is the reality that not everybody will want to kiss everybody at an event. There is just that reality, and I don't like to put into place anything that will expose a direct no. If, yeah. if there's a chance of a no. I don't want to embarrass the person who has to say no. And I don't want to embarrass the person who has to be told no, because I've been both of those people. And so I, I, you know, I love the idea of icebreaker games. And one of the ones that I play is actually, so there was this, there was this podcast called sex is fun way back in the beginning of podcasting. And it was actually one of the reasons I got into podcasting and they created um, sexy games to basically throw sex parties with your friends. It wasn't swinging. It was just, you know, getting your friends into sex parties. And they came up with this one game that they never actually finished. And the show went off the air, but I was at an event with them. I went to desire with them for my first time. And I went to visit the host in, in Milwaukee, in Minnesota, where they lived. And he gave me the game, the, the prototype. So I have this yeah. prototype of this awesome game. And the game is there's two decks of cards. One of them are fairly mild acts like uh, kiss my uh, kiss my neck or or something like that. One of them are far more extreme acts, including pee on me. And oh, wow. what, what you do is uh, you put the decks down and everybody can take five cards or whatever. And everyone's in a circle. And then everybody at, at one point gets up and picks one of their cards and says, kiss my neck. And anybody interested in doing that thing raises their hand. And then that person picks someone and then the game goes on to the next person. Mm -hmm. And so what that does is it, it creates interest. Yeah. Because I've never seen anybody, someone at a play party say who wants to kiss me and not anybody say yes. You know, mm -hmm. there's, 
there's traditional high school style ideas of attractiveness and interest, but there's also, especially at, I, I find poly parties and queer parties, people are a lot more uh, cool. <laughs> with, with, <laughs> so it's, it's great because I never saw a card come up, including the pee on me card that didn't have at least one volunteer. And the thing is, you didn't have to accept a volunteer. You just asked for volunteers. So that is the one party uh, party game I still will bring out at bigger parties or parties with newer people because it it really jumpstarts the game because if, if one of them is give me a blowjob, then there's someone getting a blowjob right over here. And <laughs> I mean, nothing gets a party started than seeing, oh, there's blowjobs happening. That means blowjobs can happen, which means I could be getting and or giving a blowjob right now. Yeah, there's yeah. actually this game that we sell at the Toolshed called Tease, and mm -hmm. it's a board game, and it has multiple cards with ideas. And it, and it says, like, you can do this just with your partner, or you could play with a group of sexy friends. Yeah. And it's actually, it's a really cool game and it's all pinup focused. So I bought it immediately because I was like, I want to know what this game is all about. And it's, it is actually pretty geared for like play party dynamics. Yeah. Uh, and then there are multiple different like, um, uh, cards, some of which are specifically like bondage themed. Some of them are specifically like role playing themed and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's a cool icebreaker game for a party. If you, if you need like, something to get the you know the ideas flowing or the yeah. you know the play started well and i feel like we've all been you know kind of isolated in our homes for a year now and so now the roaring 20s play parties are going to be <laughs> epic but it might take us a little bit oh, to yeah. get started and so maybe we're you know a group of people that might have not needed those that level of icebreaker a year a year and a half ago maybe could still use it now because we, you know, just have been uh, so used to being by ourselves or with just our very close bubble. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I could do that. Oh, also <laughs> another idea that I had, um, I had played at a party once was um, Jenga, but they wrote things on the bottom of each uh, little block. So they, it was just a homemade, you know, they, okay. they bought a regular Jenga game and then with like a, you know, Bic pen or something they kind of carved slash wrote in you know kiss the person to your left uh give the person to your right a spanking and you could say pass you know like obviously you read it to yourself and you go okay do i want to kiss the person to my right and then you can ask that person would you like a kiss or you could be like okay pass and then you're just playing jenga right uh so that was really fun because it kind of like and then there were also multiple people playing. So there were like two people to your right, do this or the person across from you or whatever. And you can write your own up and they can be as mild or wild as you want. Yeah, yeah I'm totally having like Sharpie arts and crafts plans right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. As long as the game that you're playing isn't a mandatory part of the event, like the welcome yes. circle is a mandatory, you know, kind of thing. You have to sit here, we listen to the rules. You don't have to say a mildest or wildest, but you can. The same thing for the game, like say, hey, we're going to play this. Whoever wants to play, come over here. Everybody yeah. else do whatever totally. you want. Um, just so you you're not forced to like because I've done that before. We've played spin the bottle and there's been times where I'm like, uh, there's certain people that I just really don't feel like kissing right now. So I'm going to sit out this one and I didn't have to tell anybody that I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch. Right. You know, 
or if um, I was and I think to giving people a sort of idea of the range of, you know, what might be on the Jenga or the cards or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So they know what they might be opting into. Right. And that is the reason I really like that there were the two decks, because the the simple one was very innocuous stuff like it was it was basically you could get away with that at a regular party. Right. Uh, one of the other reasons that I really I keep I keep using the words queer play party. And I, I think I, I may want to define my terms uh, because this isn't uh, necessarily people who identify uh, as as queer uh, because that that's limiting but what it is 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 people uh open to queerness because when you play a game like spin the bottle with a queer group even the straight guys are very likely to kiss the other guys because they're cool <laughs> right you know <laughs> and and it's it's not it's not that it's uncool to kiss other guys. It's just that it's not a big deal. And we we make a big deal of it in society. So when you're in a, a comfortable and safe space, uh, guys that are cool don't have that problem. And so in and often it'll become a big thing like, oh, oh, me. Hi. Yes. <laughs> and it's really it's really cool and fun. And it it gets people excited. It, it elevates the, uh, I think it elevates the whole thing. Like I never want to have another play party that isn't full of just awesome queer people. Never. Yeah. That, that actually, that, that, that was, that was kind of the way that first um, spin the bottle played out was that the couple of people who, the, I think they were all, they were both men, the couple of people who both, who identified as straight men, uh, uh, they were they were enjoying it. It was kind of a fun little like thing. And they, they ended up kissing a couple of guys that night. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Fun times. And that gets the women excited. I have found. <laughs> well, it's always fun to see people push themselves out yes. of the comfort zone a little. Yeah, very much so. Uh, given given what you said, uh, given what you said, Katie, about the um, start of the uh, um or the, the the end of pandemic times and the start of social times again. I'm actually thinking that um, that I may have to start doing something small again, like some uh, movie nights or whatever, with a small group of, of of vaccinated people to just start getting people back into a spot where they can do these things again. Because yeah, I mean, we, we've all been kind of kind of closed closed off from people for a long time. So. I think it'll either be. Uh one of those awkward parties where people are just sitting around like, okay, how do I do this again? Or it'll be like literally a supernova where the moment anyone gets naked, like people will be attracted and you just go boom. And, and it'll be the quickest start to play party ever. I, I could go either way. And yeah. And you know, I think that parties will probably be smaller for a bit. Oh, sure. Um, but that actually did get me thinking. One of the, one of the things I thought about early on here, uh, maybe for, maybe this for, will be for a couple of years down the line when people are like, "Oh yeah, I remember way back then when pandemic time." <laughs> years from now, when people That's so will, optimistic, <laughs> years from now when people will be thinking about this. Um, uh, what I one of the things that I, I one of the notes that I jotted down was that I, I hope people think about the assistance that they will need in doing in starting a party, I think, or in, in hosting a party, the, uh, having like sort of like dedicated assistance to doing a party, I think is actually really key as well. Don't try to do too much yourself. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, right now, you know, if you have like a half a dozen people over, well, most people are going to be able to fend for themselves. They're going to be people you're close to. You're going to, you're going to know all these things, but you know, when you start hosting a party with 20, 30 people again, someday when it is safe to, and responsible to do that. Um, one of the things I definitely screwed up early on with things was trying to do too much myself to the point where I really didn't have any fun doing them. Yeah. Uh, and, and also people just felt that they need there, there needed to be more attention paid, paid to that. I mean, like, you know, announcing someone maybe during the welcome circle uh, that these people here are the go-to people for the night to, to do. And maybe they're not even the usual go-to people. Maybe, right. maybe um, the, maybe if it, if you're, if the party is being held at a couple's house, maybe uh, the husband is a go-to person that night, but not the wife, like being able to like, I, I don't know, be, being able to, to say those and make it clear and then make sure that people know really just go to these people. Right. Uh, <laughs> Well, and I have like a vision too, maybe of like a, you know, a whiteboard, like, okay, so from eight to 11, it's these two people <laughs> from 11 to two, it's these two people. So everybody can still have yeah, fun. Yeah, it's on your shift. Yeah. <laughs> this, is my, this is my response. And everybody's still taken care of. I mean, we've always said, look, uh, if you, if you need something like, and we define what need is. Right. Like, I don't know where the, the paper towels are is not a need. <laughs> Uh, yeah. If you need something and I'm having sex with someone, you can interrupt me and I will help you. But need is the important <laughs> part there right. because uh, you're right. You do want uh, there to be able to be someone who is essentially on call. The problem I have always encountered is, well, first off, I think the host playing at a play party makes it safe for other people to play especially people who've never been to a play party, seeing the person who invited them playing is like, Oh, right. Okay. So this is really cool. This isn't just like a joke. Like I'm going to get up there and someone's going to dump pig's blood on me. This is, this is a real thing. Um, that's a carry. Uh, but I've been, I've been a host. Like, I don't want to go party. to that party. No, I don't either. I've been a host of play parties where one of the hosts, one of the people uh, the go-to people will resent the others because they didn't get to have a good time yeah. because they thought they should be monitoring things. Really, parties don't need as much monitoring as you think they do. They just need a definitive source to solve issues. Like, you don't need to be wandering around looking for trouble because theoretically, you you've invited people who won't cause trouble. And you can prevent a lot of that trouble or problems or questions yes. with a welcome circle, right? Very, you can say the towels are over there, extra sheets yeah. are over there. Don't play in the bathroom or, you know, lay down the bathroom sink. It'll fall oh, off yeah. the wall. Telling you know, people like, not to play in the bathroom because it monopolizes the bathroom. Yeah. That is an important play party note yeah. that no one ever thinks of. Like, yeah. you don't have to play in the bathroom here. You can play anywhere the fuck you want. If you want to play in the shower, just know someone might come in and poop because you can't <laughs> monopolize the bathroom. <laughs> it also helps to be prepared for that like mm -hmm. so not just you know like so people don't have to go search your closets for sheets or towels oh yeah have a table set out or something or a basket here's the clean lawn here's the clean sheets here's an empty basket for dirty sheets yeah this table over here if you need condoms lube we have extras stuff for you to use over here grab what you need Buying a big towels. pack of the Amazon white towels and just having them yeah. in a prominent place 
in yeah. the playrooms and buy as many of those little garbage uh, cans, you know, the little plastic ones and put the liners in and just put them in every single fucking room yeah. because the only time, seriously, the only time someone's putting a condom under a pillow is when they don't know where to put it. Not just because they're assholes. I mean, they are assholes, but it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not like, a, Oh, I'm going to get them. It's <laughs> right. I don't know what to do with this and I don't want to carry it around. Yeah. I'm not excusing that behavior in any way. <laughs> but but make it easy for people to not be assholes. Yes. Exactly. In, in yeah. To be prepared. Yeah. I recommend ibuprofen or of some sort somewhere because inevitably somebody will get a headache. Yes. <laughs> and they don't have to bug you or stop you in the middle of having sex if they need an ibuprofen or a Tylenol. Yeah, an emergency kit area is good. Yeah, mouthwash aid, should be yeah. in every bathroom. Yeah. And those little cups. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want Wipes. people just drinking directly out of the mouthwash bottle because there's a lot of problems there. <laughs> Baby wipes in the bathroom or something. So, you know, yeah. toilet paper. And lots of other places, work. too, because wipes are convenient. Yeah. And I always <laughs> tell people, bring whatever you need to have a good party. I will also have supplies, but I expect you to bring your own condoms. I expect you to bring, because I shouldn't have to provide that for you. Yeah. I will, because I never want to give someone the opportunity to say, oh, well, I don't have a condom. Let's just fuck. Yeah. Because yeah. I've been to a swinger party where that happened. And I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, that. Just put up some sort of uh, condom tithe where people can bring things and leave them, leave them. Oh, yeah. And that's the other thing is you have people bring their surplus condoms and then the host like like at other parties where everyone brings booze and then you wind up with just a lot of booze in the house. Yeah. You just have people bring things for the party, like bring all those lubes you bought and, and just don't use, you know, because you, you find a lube that you like and you use that forever. Yeah, that, that's what people I mean, that's that's one of the ways because because obviously, I mean, throwing these parties can can get um, pricey. Uh, at yeah, time. It very much. Can. Um, and so, you know, what I what I had started doing was I did put out a call early on said, hey, like bring bring some things. And then it, especially if you if you feel like leaving some things behind, that's great, because for the next party, then we'll be, be building up a session. I mean, after like the third party, I had a bowl, uh, like a big fruit bowl. Yeah condoms um and uh it also uh, helps to be a podcaster and ask uh, companies to send you lube and condoms you should work on that Lindsay. yeah can work on that but also like you know i mean getting extra bedding i mean like if you've got so i mean i remember one of my rooms i mean again this was a small house was set but one of the rooms uh which formerly had been known as a dining room but eventually just became became the orgy room i took the table out of it and through a bunch of, I mean, I filled that room with air mat, with big double thick air yeah. mattresses. Um, and uh, I was like, I need to get sheets for all these things. My God. So I had to run out to like target and grab like super cheap sheet sets, which I still have, but yeah, I mean, but like, and, and, you know, but, but, but if you buy some of that stuff with each one, like the first party, I had an air mattress. And after that one, I went and bought a second one and then a third one and a fourth one. And I had, these things over time that uh, when you, as you sort of build up, I just plan to start small, I think is the important bit. And then, and see what people will contribute, especially mm -hmm. if they're having a great time. And then, uh, you know, as you have that stuff, I mean, as long as that stuff doesn't get wrecked, 
Uh, I mean, you're, you're good for a while with it. Um, I mean, I, my guess, if I had to guess, I would say that leading into each party, uh, this is all practical stuff leading into each party. I probably dropped about $200 worth of, you know, money, food, whatever things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and that was, so I only, I mean, you know, it was like, yeah, it was an expense, but then after like the third or fourth party, I didn't want to do that anymore. I had everything. Mm-hmm. But also it, it is important, I think, especially after economic hardship and this pandemic to note that just because you want to throw a play party does not mean you need to spend money because people have things and you are providing the service of opening your house and being a place for this awesome thing to happen. That is what you are bringing to the table. And so I, I, every invitation for every party play party or not, I send out is bring something to eat, bring something to drink. You can either bring it for yourself or bring it to share. If you bring it for yourself, that's what you're drinking. If you bring it to share, you can share anybody's stuff to drink. Because I shouldn't have to buy all these hors d'oeuvres. I usually wind up buying a lot of hors d'oeuvres anyway, (laughs) but I shouldn't have to. That's the key is you should never put yourself in a position where you have to do something in order for this to be successful. And those towels on Amazon, like they're, they're 16 bucks for 30, I think. So that's a good contribution because you don't want people pissing or, or, or uh, getting cum on your stuff. That's, that's an important thing. Um, But you're, you know, I love the uh, asking people to leave things, Brandon. I never actually asked people to leave things. They just did. Um, but But also like with the sheets, everyone, you know, has sheets. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they, and, people and, will bring sheets if you say, hey, I don't have enough sheets. Can you bring right. some? And they don't need to be perfectly fitted for that air mattress. They just need to wrap around it. Yeah. Also, yeah. air mattresses are on Craigslist and Facebook, uh, whatever the marketplace. Exchange, yes. Marketplace. And and at thrift stores like you go to thrift stores and get towels. They they clean up come just as well as brand new target target. <laughs> really, the only reason I say the white ones is because you could just bleach the fuck out of those. Right. Yeah. yeah. I only have one air mattress, so every party that I host, I say, "Hey, I call up the friend list of people that are coming. Hey, Brandon, can you bring an air mattress or two? So and so, can you bring an air mattress?" Hey, can you bring your sex swing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think that poly folks are really used to like poly potlucks, right? Like we have socials, we bring stuff. Oftentimes where our group is too big for a restaurant or to like have a really good reservation, um, unless it's like something we plan out a a long time ahead. Uh, So like poly potlucks are, are, I want to say universal, like people just know to do that. If you're going to a poly social or get together at someone's house, you bring booze, you bring uh, some, a dish to pass. And again, this is sounding so Midwestern, but oh, no, it, it is. It, it we is, are very it, Midwestern. Yeah. yeah, we're very Midwestern here, right? Obviously. And so I think that that's so common. Um, and then it's just kind of like gone over into the poly play party scene. Is it like you bring an order if you bring snacks you bring booze you bring a charcuterie board you know like you bring something and you bring sheets and air mattress and you it's like 
Socialism. Right. If you have a thing that you know is going to be useful, you're going to probably offer to bring it. Yeah. Um, you know, and also I think sometimes like, you know, I'm thinking about a party at your house where your husband had built um, St. Andrew's Cross and he was wow. so excited to tell everybody about how he built it. And he totally <laughs> geeked out over the construction. And it was honestly one of the cutest things I've ever seen. <laughs> like he was so excited to share this project with the community. Yes. And I feel like that is I mean, it was a uniquely cute thing in this moment in this case, but I don't think it was a really unusual poly play party community behavior. No, not at all. No. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey there. Interested in more polyamory uncensored content? You're in luck. We just started a blog, polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com. We're going to be showcasing stuff like episode breakdowns, polyamory and ethical non-monogamy related book reviews, and guest posts from authors like you. If you'd like to be a guest author, contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com, and you might be able to see your work up on our website. Again, that's polyamoryuncensored.wordpress.com, and we're going to have some fun new poly-related content for you. Thanks. See you there. All right, we are back. And one thing that I thought was, is honestly for me, and I'm a big costume whore, uh, is the the fun thing that I love about parties is sometimes when we have themes. And I just kind of wanted to ask you guys, uh, what were your favorite themes for parties? Because I think that can be one of the funnest things about a party. But what's your favorite theme? I'm going to be the, the, the odd man out here and just say my favorite theme is sex parties. Um, <laughs> That's fair. I actually don't like themes at all because I don't <laughs> like, I, I am 100% fine with other people doing whatever. But when I go to a play party, I want to wear comfy pants, a comfy shirt and fun stuff underneath. And that's it. I don't, I don't ever want to dress up. I don't ever want to. Uh, and at Desire, I host, uh, you know, every night is a new theme. And I mm-hmm. love the, seeing the costumes. I will never wear one. No, no, hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Did I not see you dressed up in a Joel Robinson jumpsuit once? Yes. Okay. But that was easy. Literally, <laughs> that's a one piece costume. Come on. <laughs> Speaking of, though, I have had a onesie pajama theme play party okay. and it was great. <laughs> okay. I would like that. I would, yeah. A fair <laughs> amount of onesie starfleet uniforms at that party if I there recall. are but the problem in desire too is it's fucking hot in cancun yes yeah yes. so i mean it's supposed to be fucking hot right yeah it is hot. but you know you put on any costume in that like one time i made the mistake of wearing my doctor who 10th doctor onesie oh and it's not even a thick onesie it's a thin one but i was so sweaty i almost passed out it was oh, no. terrible. So I kind of have a kink about watching people geek out about their thing. So I really love themes because then people geek out about their thing. Yeah. And I personally adore that. So um, I'm going to go with my favorite probably was a Star Trek uh, theme at Brandon's house. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was a good one. I There was a really good uh, uh, green shirted Kirk at that that was a good that was yeah that was good i think my favorite was uh so far for has been uh one i attended and that was uh the 
um, heavy petting zoo. <laughs> uh, there, were, there were a lot of animals and uh, animal handlers and... <laughs> That I think is very. Was, I think there was even a teenage mutant ninja turtle at that one. <laughs> like you know, there was there. It was good. I like that one. one. I also am not a fan. I like dressing up, but I hate coming up with ideas for dressing up. <laughs> so normally I'm just like color coordinated for the theme. Um, but I love seeing the what the really creative people come up with that attend. Um, so I think my two favorites were both weirdly like actual holiday themes. Mm-hmm. Was a Christmas one. And then a Valentine's Day one, because we had uh, a couple of Cupids come to the Valentine's Day one with like little red bikinis and a bow and arrow. Um, and then the Christmas one, there was a, a Christmas onesie that had like the mistletoe mistletoe hanging over it, which uh, got left behind after the party and then became a whole thing where we just sent it around to people's houses to take pictures in it. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, the, tra- the traveling onesie. Yes, I yeah. remember that. Uh, yeah, I, I got to say, I hosted a beach party once in the middle of a Wisconsin winter, and that was fucking awesome. Everyone, I mean, we just cranked the heat up. Everyone wore, you know, swimsuits That's inside the one. house. We had a beach ball. Okay, uh, we had, okay. we had uh, floaties just sitting on the living room floor. Uh, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. And then a lot of, like, cocktail drinks. I think I was, like, I was trying to emulate uh, Desire, in the middle yeah. of, you know, right. Or whatever. I have thrown really a Christmas nice. tiki party. Yes. Was that host also had a hot tub. They had a hot so tub. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the, sw- the swimsuits, you know, came in use and then came off. And <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, some of the other ones that I, I just have in a list here because I, I think I had written them down for a class was um, pride. So just mm-hmm. people wore rainbows. So that was fun. Yeah. Um, sleepover slumber party, onesie pajama party, that kind of thing. There have been plenty of Halloween parties. And at one point, I know we had a solstice party, which is like very broad and very like woo woo. And just kind of like, I don't know that even people necessarily wore anything in particular, but they were like, everyone brought flowers. Like, I don't know. It was just kind of fun. Yeah. And so this, we had like summer solstice party, kink and dungeon party. That was also something yeah. just like a specific theme. Um, and then I remember at Desire, there was like a school girl, school boy, student teacher thing. Going uh, we on. Did that. I don't we remember what that was. Subvert the uh, traditional school girl thing. I forgot how we did it. I think it was, it was like, you had to, we, we tried to implement something where you should gender swap it, but mm-hmm. I don't remember mm-hmm. if we did. I know we had a lot of guys in skirts. <laughs> we always have a lot of guys in skirts on our, yeah. our trip. And then obviously like geek cosplay party. And again, that's probably going to be determined by your crowd. And if they're geeks, which in the poly community is most. So <laughs> most poly people have <laughs> some kind of geeky party thing. Seems like it would work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you need a, if you need a theme idea, those are some really fun ones. And also just get creative with it. It's, I don't think it is great to make it a requirement, uh, you know, for entry, oh, yeah. you have to be in a costume. I don't think that's a good idea, yeah. but it is an added level of fun and silliness that can really bring people out of their shell. Like I know I can be a generally very shy person, but if I have to dress up as a dominatrix, that's going to make me feel a little different way. You know, like like I I might feel a little bit more extroverted. I might feel a little bit more confident if I'm like in six inch heels and a corset, you Mm -hmm. know, like, yeah. You did a that was like, I don't know, was it New Year's themed or it was like 20s themed or something like that. And I I remember I showed up in like a three piece suit. I remember that. Yeah. And I felt really. I think I was at that one. 
Oh, maybe, okay. Maybe you were. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, so I, I remember I went up talking about changing your attitude towards it. So I went up and I, I did a massage, like a sexy massage on someone. And I took off my jacket and had the vest on. I rolled up my sleeves and I felt very like professional or I don't even know mm-hmm. how to explain it. I felt very service oriented in this outfit that I was wearing, like a, like a butler or something. <laughs> <laughs> So it was was good to do that. Yeah, that was a that was a fun theme too. Well, I think the other thing is costumes can be a conversation starter, whether you're wearing one or whether you want to go talk to somebody about the one that they're wearing. Like they're a nice opportunity to initiate a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the crafty people who like will make their own, you know, like they want to talk, they want to talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah. yeah, it's fun. Yeah, there was there was that other one too. I think so. There was the where I remember. I, I think it was maybe it was a Halloween one, but I I showed up and I was like a sex cultist. <laughs> had, you know what those look like? But I I had like that that like those candles around me, and I had that like box. And I remember that I brought out that, and it was something that sold at the tool shed. It was the Sex Position Bible, and that was amazing because I was able to go around to people that night and literally just like open up a page of the good book and like suggest it to them. And they would like get into these positions <laughs> like for people who weren't necessarily playing, but they were dressed and, and it was just something fun for them. I'd be like, can you do this crazy position, you know, or whatever. And they absolutely, that was a, such a conversation. I think I talked with everyone that night. I believe that you actually have repurposed that book and game at New Year's parties as well. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I rang, I rang in 2020 with the sex position Bible. Everyone was fully dressed. Everyone was uh, everyone was having fun with this and arguing whether that these positions were realistic or not or anything. Like Possible in physical reality. Yeah, yeah. The best no. start to 2020 that I could hope for, given what followed. It did seem another, so promising. Another good theme, maybe especially this year for a smaller. If we get to smaller parties, if Bristol Renaissance Fair doesn't open this year. You might run fair. Have everybody come and run fair costumes because okay. they're going to be so depressed. <laughs> you've got a fair. You've got a fair amount of. Do you have? You have chainmail, right? I do not. I borrow the chainmail when I go from oh, the shop okay. there. But I, I started making it, so who knows? Maybe by August, I'll have some pieces. Chainmail bikini thrown together, right? I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of kind of like theme and ambiance, uh, atmosphere and like creating a mood is also really important. If you have a space and it looks really like clean and clinical, that can sometimes be less comfortable, unless you're going for a medical play scene or whatever. You know, like that's a whole different thing. But I think there's like a, an element of coziness that you might want lighting, heat, um, music. Uh, I know I have gone to a party where there was porn playing in one room and it was like a specific, you know, like Erica yeah. Lust feminist porn is like kind of more fun and, and, uh, pretty. Uh, but so there's definitely like things that you want to consider when making the space comfortable. I don't know. What are some things that might be good ideas to, to keep in mind? Music and Definitely think about it beforehand, not when the party started and you realize that you have no way of, you don't have a a Spotify account, so you have no way of playing his music on the TV that you had the thought of. Um, And and creating a playlist, you know, like a good playlist is also suitable music too. You don't want to have like a random station playing and all of a sudden like a polka comes on. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Maybe pay pay for pay for the things that give you no ads. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they're really that's something too, where the community may be able to provide like, yeah. I know I'd lack that skill set, but yeah. I bet that somebody doesn't. And so I could say, can you please organize the music and somebody will volunteer to organize. Well, we, for every party for we've thrown, um, we've put out a call. We, we like create a, a Spotify playlist for the party mm. and then say, hey, this is a shared list. Add whatever you want, Ooh. then as host it, or or somebody is responsible for going through the list and making right. sure that nobody accidentally or trolling added anything <laughs> that shouldn't be on that list because sometimes that happens. Yeah. But the nice thing is once you have a robust sex party playlist, you can add a few songs here and there, but we've got something like eight hours of sex uh, sex party playlist, and <laughs> it. It's just we put it on every time. I mean, you can't yeah. go wrong with things like Massive Attack, Portishead. Portishead. There, there mm-hmm. are yeah. Lana Del Rey. There, mm-hmm. Yeah, there are musicians who basically create play party music. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so find some and and just you know, like if you're going to put that M5 album on, maybe take out the song about the little frog because it's not sexy. You know, there, there's 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 things like that. I feel like lighting is also really important. Like you don't want to be able to, it's be nice to be able to dim your yeah. lighting. Mm-hmm. We were dim is good. Yeah. Our yeah. bulbs, and so we had it on our app where we were able to change the colors or dim the light. So we already had that, which was nice. But you can buy cheap, you know, dim i feel like inexpensive dimmer bulbs um well, and you can also buy inline dimmers for any uh lamps that don't have that it just yeah you plug it into it the, yeah. the key i think the thing that some swinger parties do is they're more like clubs so it's not dim it's dark mm. yeah. music's not present it's loud and i think okay. that's um that's good for a specific kind of party, but in general, you want people to be able to talk without shouting. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. your music is ambiance, not yeah. present. Yeah. Um, and the same I like thing with, to be yeah. able to see what's going on. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, the, you know, the, the reason the reason there's a thing about putting a red handkerchief over a lamp is because it does create good ambiance so go ahead and do that you know there, there are these things that people have been doing uh to create uh sexy situations since the dawn of time right it's it's not cheesy or cliche i mean it may be cheesy and cliche but it's it is cheesy and cliche it because it works yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and i'm actually i just reminded me because the theme that you were thinking of brandon with the the um new year's eve i think the theme was decadence and and everything that we we tried to do that night was decadent and so we had champagne we had like fancy hors d'oeuvres instead of just cheese and you know like we had and so we had and i think there were a lot of like fuzzy blankets you know and there was like comfort decadence uh you know indulgence everywhere uh and so and then people dressed up really really fancy that that was really fun Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah A and lot that, of throw pillows was... and blankets are are very for sure. Lots of like fleece blankets, fuzzy blankets, yeah. and temperature. Like you don't want to have it too hot. Yeah, where people are sweating because you've got thirty people in your house and you have to open windows, but you can't because they're all covered by curtains because you don't want people looking in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
but you yeah, don't want it freezing I, either where people don't want to take off their clothes. Yeah. <laughs> I used to crank the heat at that old place. I used to crank the heat for all, like all day long. I would put space heaters in all the rooms so that like, if I was doing a cool month party, it would just, it would like the, the temperature would be up to a point if possible before <laughs> the party started. And then, you know, once people are all like, making body heat together. It actually helps too. But yeah, yeah they, uh, uh-huh. I actually used to have someone who, whose major, the major contribution that he had for the party was to bring a bunch of fun little like moving light things that he would like set up around the, mm-hmm. around the house um, to add to like, cause I also am all about the hue bulb. So I'd have those going and <laughs> Me too. he would set these things up in other places and they would just be like different colored fun moving lights just to kind of, you know, spruce up a play space or something. Um, they and, gave it a sort of underwatery kind of yeah, yeah, right. fire ones or water ones or cold ones. And they, and they all felt very fluid. Like, yeah, I, I think all of that's really important. Um, and then also have having space set aside for, you know, you don't want, you don't want to have like, since you want to set up a mood, like you don't want to have a bunch of like sex going on around a bunch of food or a lot, or, you know, uh-huh. yeah. maybe put the, maybe put the bar in one section, put the food in another section and then have the play space be as sort of like, not Spartan, but like, have it just be like, you don't want things knocked over. You don't want things, um, you don't want to, you know, if, if possible, you don't want to be like cleaning up spilled wine Right. You know, in the middle of a, in the middle of a play park. Yeah, right. I love the ambiance of candlelight, but it can be a little bit uh, dangerous to have a bunch of candles lit in a space in, where there might be clothes flung. You know, like so, yeah. be careful about that for sure. Oh, yeah, and those little uh, heated wax things—they will spill. Yeah, and they will get everywhere. Um, speaking about wax, funny enough, one of the things that's actually in my notes was if you're going to do set up a, a place, a play space for people to do wax play, be sure that you've got something down on the ground that's yes. going to keep the wax. Because when I moved out of that house, I, I, I the, the rug in the dining room slash orgy room was <laughs> covered in places with wax that I didn't. Oh, no. <laughs> like I had a lot. I mean, eventually, it was, it, as it turned out, that rug was going anyways. It didn't fit my new place. But um, yeah, you want to make sure that those, that you, you've set up the appropriate uh, the appropriate functional things for that. Yeah, so that people don't have to go digging around for something that they need in order to do the scene that they want. Yeah, we usually would keep the the kitchen area as a social area. Mm-hmm. You can be naked, but there's not going to be any play in the kitchen area. This is where you have social time, snack, drinks. Um, and then you have your open living room, dining room, play areas. And it's also nice to have maybe say this bedroom or these couple of rooms. You can close the door if you want to have private play um, or you can keep the door open if you're willing to let people watch or mm-hmm. ask to join. Hey, one of, the, uh, one of the actual swinger rules that is very helpful is if the door is closed, you can knock if you want, but you're probably not getting a response. If the door is cracked, that means you are welcome to look. If the door is open, you are welcome to enter the room. <laughs> so it's it's uh, yeah. it's like a level of, uh, but you also have to tell people, don't monopolize a room. Like I have a, a, a three room apartment, a four room apartment, and I've thrown big play parties. But the understanding is, look, you know, my king size bed is the bed. So if you're if you're fucking on the bed, maybe you move to one side or the other because someone else might join on the other side of the bed. You know, you have to be uh, 
understanding in the space allowed. And also, you know, there's all these preparations we're talking about. This is all great. But the number one thing is comfort. You want to make people comfortable. And so if you can do nothing else at this party, like if you can put a CD on repeat, then you have music. But if you can do nothing else, you want to create a comfortable space with clearly defined boundaries. Like I don't want anyone fucking on my computer desk. So so I close that door and I say that room is off limits and we have a food area and that's where the food is. And don't fuck in there because that's where the food is, you know, and so it's it's it ultimately comes down to really two rooms that are play spaces and one of them is a big room so it's clearly defined as a group play space and you have to be cool with that and group play doesn't mean we're all fucking each other group play just means that you might be having sex here and someone is having sex within two feet of you right here it doesn't mean they're allowed to touch you or, or interact because there's still the rule of Ask before you do anything. And especially if you're entering a group situation, ask literally everyone included in a sexual act if you can join. So if you're walking in to a five-person orgy, you need to ask all of them if you can join. You can't just get drawn in with one. I don't know why I went off on that tangent. That was a weird one. (laughs) Well, I do kind of want to wrap things up here a bit, but I wanted to talk about how to make a safer space. And I think modeling good behavior is a really good idea. And maybe even having some kind of like icebreakers that involve making the space safer. And what I mean by that is like, I went to a um, party in Chicago once they, where they had like a good consent game where you had to, talk to the person next to you and like ask them something and that person had to say no and then you had to be like thank you for your no uh and it was really interesting because it is hard to say no sometimes it's hard to like verbalize what you your needs and and it it only gets easier with practice and so it was nice to have this kind of like little bit of practice at the beginning of a party to be like no thank you or like get creative with your no you know like I'm good right now but maybe ask me again later or Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff um and I also kind of want to talk about the like safer sex elevator speech and how you can practice that either with your partner or with your friends or or at the beginning of a party and and you know what that looks like so I don't know I don't know if I know that term the elevator speech. Elevator speech. The elevator speech is it's uh, the idea is it's a way to get all the important things out of the way in a very short amount of time. And the important things are uh, what you're interested in, your relationship boundaries are, what your play boundaries are, what your safer sex techniques are, and your testing status. And so if I come in and say that my relationship boundaries are we're allowed to play separately and we are free agents on our own, my sexual boundaries are um, I'm open for anything except for impact play. Uh, But you need to be careful with anything because like I'm open to... uh, to penetrative sex. I'm open to receiving and giving and all that. Um, my safer sex boundaries are, I use gloves and, um, barriers with new people, uh, for oral sex and manual sex. And I use condoms for everybody. My safer sex testing. My last test was in February of 2020. Um, believe it or not, I have not gotten tested since then because why? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) 
And then at the end of this, the most important part of this process is, and how about you? Because you've just demonstrated to them exactly what you want to hear from them. And people are really susceptible to that in parroting back to you exactly the things you mentioned. So Uh they will come back to you and sort of hit you with everything that uh, you just hit them with. And the key with the, um, the testing is to say what you were tested for. Because, I mean, testing can can amount to like anything. And, and yeah. now it, it's going to include COVID uh, <laughs> right. vaccination. Right. Um, right. But, the, yeah. you know, like I used to be really uh, concerned about people getting tested for HSV, but I'm not so much anymore because most places won't test you for HSV without a whole lot of song and dance. And ultimately, with with the rest of my safer sex techniques, it doesn't matter. It's a moot point. So why even deal with it? You know, um, and and that's that's the way I do. But it's not the way I advocate for anybody else. And your safer sex techniques can be whatever they are. You know, you you. I mean, I'm not going to play with anyone who doesn't use condoms at a play party. I'm just not. It's just not going to happen. But. If they if they usually don't use barriers, as long as they're okay with using barriers with me, that's fine. Um, and I use saran wrap as a barrier instead of dental dams because dental dams are awful. They are the single <laughs> worst uh, safer sex thing ever. And saran wrap is safe enough. You know, no one will say it's 100% safe because why would the FDA ever say that? But <laughs> it is going to protect enough against an act that is not very risky in the first place. And I, I, I actually, I have this saran wrap thing that I like so much. We added it life on the swing slash wrap will take you to the Amazon page. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, is, it is a heavy duty saran wrap box with one of those razor cutters on it. So you don't have to deal with tearing it or anything. It is so great. You <laughs> you lay it over the entire area. You press it into the vulva folds or slightly into the ass. Oh my God. I cannot proselytize for saran wrap barriers enough. If you, you've just done so. <laughs> I remember one time. Yeah, Lindsay, I think we need a link to that. Uh, I'll, I'll write it down. I'm going to make sure that is the link. In fact. <laughs> Definitely agree about the about that versus the the dental dams because uh, I mean I'm I'm I I use them. I don't enjoy them. I per, as opposed to something like that's larger like Saran Wrap. I, I actually had considered like throwing out for a mildest and wildest at a party once. Like I brought dental dams. I would like to practice with them. Anyone <laughs> who wants to come, come and help me learn how to use these things better, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I but I I like literally I I can't tell you how many times I've nearly inhaled them, how many times I've like I'm just bad at it. So I need practice. Uh and I'll never talk about that again. All right, anyways. <laughs> Um, that's actually really similar to the type of elevator speeches um, that I, I've used as well. I mean, I, I think that, you know, uh, I I probably learned much of those at, you know, like going into in my like research prepping for Desire years ago and use something very similar with uh, the first like, swinger couple my ex and I hooked up with them. Uh, it went well. It was good to get all the information out there. And that, that reassures people that people are thinking 
thinking about them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even if you end up having slightly different boundaries than somebody else, just knowing that they've thought through their boundaries yes. is hugely reassuring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if you're a host of a party, modeling that behavior, maybe out loud, I mean, it's 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 very private information. So, of course, yeah. you don't have to do that. But like giving it as an example to people um, or like saying, hey, if you want to play with someone tonight, this is a really good, these are really good things to bring up. What are you into? What are you definitely not into? What are your hard limits? When was the last time you were tested and what were those results? And what is your relationship dynamic? Who did you yeah. come with and what are your boundaries with them? Uh, and then offering it up. And how about you? You know, like telling people that either in a welcome circle or just kind of scream it out loud, whatever. Um, like it's it's really nice. And it, I, I think it just adds like this energy of safety, like this, like, oh, I can really, you know, trust that people are going to be open and honest with me, hopefully, and that they're going to like want to have safety in mind, my safety and theirs. And yeah. I don't know, I think that just like adds to that energy of like, I can relax. I can be comfortable. I don't have to worry so much about everything because the people at this party care. And the honesty thing is interesting because I've been to play parties or I've, I've talked to swingers who require proof of, um, results. Yeah. Test results. And I mean, like I'm one of the most cautious and over safety conscious people, you know, I think Lindsay, (laughs) um, but that's insane asking to see someone's private medical information, because there is a point where we have to, as people, be able to trust others. And that will occasionally backfire because that's what it is to be people. And I I mean, like, if I can't trust someone to not lie directly to my face about their health status, first of all, I really hope they're not at my parties. And <laughs> I mean, it's... It's one of those things I'm willing to not take a risk, but just accept that it's unlikely to be a problem. I think for the amount of times that would be a problem, it's putting an unreasonable amount of suspicion on. They're also really hard to get. They yeah, really I are. Have yeah. attempted from uh, both uh, the clinic that I went through. They normally just let you know if something's wrong. And I right. once I can you email the first time I went, I was like, can you at least email me the results? And yeah, she emailed me and she said, you're all good. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then even for the doctor, like I've gotten the paperwork results afterwards. I was able to, they were like, no, you can just log on to your online account and print it out. But the terms that they use in right. those results are, they're not the language that we hear. Right. They're, like, code. they're, they're codes. Yeah. yeah. They're basically so codes. Like, I have no idea what any of this means, but yeah. here you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well, and one thing I want to just add into some of the framing about that, like relationship status to maybe like relationship status, if this is an issue or a concern, you know, like obviously in a swinger context, you're expecting that most of the people are married and they're going to a party with their spouse. But that's not necessarily true in the poly community. And, you know, like I like I would I would be sort of weirded out by the expectation that somebody would want to know my relationship status. And it was like, it's not it, none of it, the people that I am in a relationship with, like having it's mostly the it. person you came with. If I came with some. Yeah, that's but that's the important part of that discussion is are you here with someone who might get upset if they saw me making out with you without having a powwow first? Right. Uh, That that's the concern. 
Yes. Especially with the overlap between the poly community and the kink community. Mm-hmm. So oh, like, God, yeah. you know, they might, they're, they might be there to play, but their relationship status with their person might be, well, he's my dom and you actually have to talk to them. I've literally you know, gotten yelled for- at by a master because I didn't ask his permission and I didn't even know he existed, which right. is, uh, which, which I responded with, Hey, you don't get to non-consensually include me in your king. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. But they try sometimes. <laughs> right. And hopefully, you know, the sub will be like, I can answer your questions or they have, they would have discussed this before the party. Like, feel free to talk to whoever you would like. Yeah, I know. If you right. want to go farther. You, you know. Usually I walk back and say, okay, uh, that's, that's a little bit more than I'm interested in. So <laughs> you go right. have your own fun there. Right. Hopefully yeah. they're taking care of those conversations before they get to the party. And I think it is common, obviously, you know, in the, again, quote unquote, traditional um, parties, people come as couples, but when it comes to poly play parties, open or queer parties, it's very common for solo poly people or single mm-hmm. poly people to come to parties alone. Or at least I know in my own personal experience, because I have a small child, sometimes we can't find childcare or sure. we can't get a babysitter or the babysitter cancels or whatever the case may be. And like, there have been times in which we have to decide, okay, you get to go to this party. I get to go to the next one or, you know, vice versa. Or at one really weird night, I went to the beginning half and then my <laughs> partner went to the last half, you know, oh, like that's um, a tough, that's a tough exchange. Yeah. There. I had to do the welcome circle. So I went to the beginning half. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was fine. I was like totally fine with it, but also I was like, well, I have to do the welcome circle. I get the first hour and a half. You get the last hour and a half, whatever. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and so we both really wanted to go and our babysitter canceled. So we had to make some adjustments and uh, yeah. And so, and but, but what was funny about that, honestly, it was a fun night because it was the pride theme party. I wore these like rainbow socks and uh, I just like, when I came, home gave them to my husband to wear for the (laughs) the rest of the evening i was like here's your rainbow you get that uh (laughs) but yeah so yeah um i do think that like knowing i mean knowing the people that you're with is probably one of the most important things right because then saying your relationship dynamics might not be it might be a totally moot point because like, oh, I know who you're with or I know who you're not with or I know that you're like you came to the party with your partner and you usually only play with them. You know, like those kind of things can sometimes be things you already know about one another. But if you if there are people at the party you don't know or if there are uh, relationships that, dynamics that you might not be aware of, like kink dynamics, um, it's always nice to be able to either feel comfortable enough to ask about them or feel comfortable enough about to share your own. The elevator speech is really designed to walking into a bedroom with someone you've never played with before and maybe never interacted with until that night and right. sitting down and setting boundaries. Uh, and because that's what it is in effect, it's yeah. determining and discussing boundaries, which are very rarely discussed in general life. Yeah. And what's nice for the, the poly parties, at least a lot of some of that stuff is, mentioned in the welcome circle yes like they'll say whether they're open to play or at least like those the basic things for about relationship dynamic i'm here with my husband but i only play with him or i'll whatever yeah the poly with poly parties the interesting one has been uh i know at least one situation where there was someone there and they were there with their partner but their they were all but their husband was also and so i was like i didn't even know that that was a, that they were that they were I mean like they were literally there with 
Um, like they were someone, they were someone who's seemingly was hierarchical, but they were actually there with their, uh, sure. Secondary. I literally didn't find out until months later that they're, that they were married and that their husband was too. Interesting. Well, I've been to a play party where one of my partners is there in another dynamic with another partner, specifically in a BDSM dynamic. Mm -hmm. And that is a completely different type of interaction at a party then. Yeah. Like we went straight to the elevator speech, but we didn't say anything about the saying no. So like, yeah, so the consent game and uh, practicing um, it. Going to mention that it was one of the parties, one of the first parties, I think. And I think you had mentioned something about that game. And one of the things that we did was like we had it wasn't a, a requirement, but it was a suggestion was if somebody asks something and they say no to respond with like a high five or yeah. You know, so that was thank you. Thing. Okay, great, thank you. Know, you. We gave him a high five. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like awesome, mm-hmm. high five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it kind of so turns that rejection themselves. feeling on its head. If you'd be like, okay, thank you for taking care of yourself, high five. Yeah, right. you know, like it, it just makes it like light and airy, and not like, oh no, I. I don't get to have fun tonight because someone rejected me. I was like, no, it doesn't have to be like that. They might right. not be interested in X, Y, Z, but they might be really interested in something else, you know, like, so yeah, it's, it's we always it's, tell it's, people too: if you're a yes, say yes. If you're a no, say no. If you're a maybe say no. If you're a maybe later, say no. If you're an, I need to think about this, say no, because you can always change your mind. Mm-hmm. And it's important for people who are not used to these kind of conversations because they may want to say maybe or maybe later instead of no, because they're uncomfortable with no. And even, even after practicing no's, it's still really hard to say no to someone. And I, I get that totally. It's just, it's, it's very important to be willing as a guest to advocate for yourself. And it's one of the things that I tell people Uh, when I'm inviting them for a first time to a party is I'm going to expect you to take care of yourself. I'm going to expect you to advocate for yourself. And if at any point you feel like you can no longer do that, you may not want to be at the party anymore. Like I'm not going to kick you out, but you may not, if you don't feel you can say no effectively, I can't trust you to be at the party. And it's, it's sort of a hard burden there because I am trusting literally everyone to be able to advocate for themselves, to not wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, God, I fucked up my entire life and relationship because of this thing I did last night. And I blame you for it. It's like, because it's not my responsibility what you do at this party. And that's the hard thing about involving sex in parties. Like we all know that we're not responsible if a couple gets in a fight at your movie night and storms out, but they may blame you if they get in a fight because of a thing that happened at your play party. It's not your fault. So it's, it is very important to define your own boundaries as host in that I, I expect these things. If you're a yes, I expect you to say yes. I want that. And if you're no, I expect you to say no, because it, it, it sets that line that you are not just here to say, Oh, I'm just being coy and clever. And I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's not cool here. That's, that's not going to fly. And from the other side of it, I also, I often would say, because I want people to understand, like, don't get, don't get all all in your head. If you do get a no, like the, Mm -hmm. you know, 
yes, it's a great thing to like high five and, and all of that. But really remember that that no really doesn't necessarily have anything to do with you. It's right. got it, it's to do with them. There's plenty of times where, you know, at a party where like I'm just I'm just not feeling penetrative sex with or right. like that. And um, that has nothing to do with the other people. I still might want to play with them or maybe I'm just not feeling like play, but it really doesn't have anything to do with them. That's just where I'm at. Right. Um, and so letting people know that, you know, or reminding people, I think everyone knows, but reminding people who might get in their head otherwise, that if someone's a no or someone's just not really feeling it, that that's not really a comment on you. Right. It's also uh, something we've always talked about at parties is a no is an opportunity because if you are pursuing, if you spend an entire night pursuing someone who's uninterested in you, you have literally wasted your entire night rather than finding someone else to play with and be happy. So a no is an opportunity for you to find the the next thing you're interested and hopefully at a <laughs> at a play party there's plenty of opportunity and plenty of people you're interested in well i know that we've been here for over two hours now uh i figured we could wrap up with just like piece of advice you know like what is your basically this entire podcast for two hours has been advice you know but if you have something can i you, tell what I love about play parties. Yeah. Or that, or, well, that okay. would actually like, you know what, let's, let's reframe because okay. this has been two hours of advice, right? Like, and that's usually how I end an episode is like, do you have any extra advice? But how about what do you love about play parties and what do they add to you about that? Does anyone mind if anyone, I go for yeah. okay. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> They're an opportunity for me to distract myself from my inner monologue. And it doesn't always work. Sometimes I do spend a lot of time in my head at play parties, uh, especially like if I get a no from someone that I was anticipating something happening with, it can be really tough. But if I'm interacting with people and I'm, I'm, I'm distracting myself from the world and the world is tough and I don't know anything else in my life that distracts me and distract is the wrong word that fulfills me emotionally like a play party. And it seems counterintuitive that uh, it, it is a sex party, but it's it's so much more. And the reason we call it play is because it reminds us that we didn't grow out of the need for play and fun and interaction in a way that most adults never interact with each other. Because once they're married and hetero and monogamous, you don't touch anybody. And it's such a fulfilling thing to be able to spend time touching people. And I think we will all need the hell out of that after a year of not touching people, because it has been... Uh, one of the most depressing experiences of my life this last year to have not had any playtime interaction like that. And it's not that my, my partnership or my immediate circle doesn't give me that. It's just that the level of spontaneous ecstatic engagement at a play party is like nothing else in the world. And I absolutely adore it. And it's why I've run the desire trip for so many years. It's because I get to spend a week doing that, you know, and, 
every opportunity I get, I try to do uh, go to play parties. And I'm really, really excited that they may start coming back. However, slowly that may happen because I fucking need it. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. I, along with, uh, I guess I, I, I like the fact that it is play, that it is something that adults are doing. Actually, one of my favorite things at a play party is leaving a like or either you know leaving a room or going into a room and there's just sort of like spontaneous like like i mean there's sexy things going on but there's like laughter going on um there's uh like that laughter is just like it's just and and, and the cuddling and all of that is it just it's it's really heartwarming i came down the stairs once at my old place into a room that normally is, you know, like at a dining room table and it's kind of austere and whatnot. And there was literally just, I I don't even know, 20 people lining the walls of this place, like legs crossed over each other talking. It was at the end of a play party night while things were still going on, but it was winding down and it was just sort of like, you know, it, it was, it was absolutely one of the most heartwarming uh, events and again, it's a sex party, but that that it transcends sort of just what people think of when they think about like, oh, going to a sex party, going to bang a bunch exactly. of people. Um, so that that those those feelings of of togetherness and laughter. Um, I like being social when I want to be social. So going out to like bars and stuff is fun, but I don't know everybody there, so it can be a little awkward and intimidating. And so what I love about at least the play parties that I've gone to is that I know at least 50% of the people there. And it's a, usually a very intimate thing. There's not a ton of loud music and I get to see people that I don't normally don't get to see a lot. Poly people are busy people. (laughs) (laughs) They have schedules that they have to, you know, make sure work for everybody, all their different partners. And they may not have a lot of, extraneous time especially if they're also parents and they've got friends and jobs so this is usually at least one time a month that I get to see certain people that I normally don't get to see because we just don't have the time and yes sometimes I get to play with them if (laughs) it happens and we're in that kind of mood and whatnot but it's even just nice just to hang out and chat in the kitchen I feel like I spend a good 70% of my time at some parties hanging out in the kitchen, snacking on food and just chatting with people. So it's just, and maybe it could just be this group of people that I have in this poly community. Maybe it would be different if I was at somewhere else, but I, they make me happy. So. Um, I really love that touching, cuddling, getting that sort of just warm, snuggly feeling from people. Um, Like absolutely echoing what uh, Cooper and Brandon said about that. Um, But also like I met, I for the first time hooked up with my two local partners at play parties and like those relationships have blossomed into fantastic, you know, relationships that, I find incredibly fulfilling and delightful. And who knows if we would have started looking at each other mm-hmm. in a more than friends light, had there not been an opportunity to, you know, connect in this sexy way. I'm like, wait a minute, there's like really something more here that I'm super into and that I want to sustain. And so I love that. Like, 
yes, it's sexy, fun play and it can be light, but it also might blossom into something amazing and at a more emotional and intense level. My partner and I actually met our third at a play party, and now we've been together for five years, which I'm told is an eternity in triathlon. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I would say overall, I just really like creating the space to allow that kind of stuff to happen, to allow sexy exploration and a sex positive community and just like having that atmosphere around me. I don't even have to be a part of it. I just want to know that I helped create it you know like that's probably the biggest most rewarding part for me is like being able to organize and 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 create this like social sexy atmosphere for folks that like gives me life yes Mm -hmm. good note to end on absolutely (laughs) thank you all so much for being here um oh if you guys do want to plug anything like cooper i know you probably have some links you'd like to say um (laughs) you know feel free uh but yeah i just want to thank you all for coming this is a really fun conversation and probably going to again we do this almost every single episode mark the record of longest episode that we've ever had (laughs) we're just gonna eventually have like four hour long episodes whatever but uh yeah it happens uh but when it comes to having panel episodes that's pretty expected so thanks for uh audience members you know thanks for joining us in this long ass episode but um yeah if, if you guys have anything to uh share please uh, well, you can find me at cooperasbeckett.com. My uh, long-running non-monogamy podcast that I'm on hiatus from is Life on the Swing Set. Uh, and if you're interested, the Desire Trip may actually happen in November. You can check that out at swingsetdesire.com. As of this moment, it is on. So, you know. Do you want to talk I, a second about what that is? Because we sure. kind of referenced it a, min- uh, a couple times here, and we didn't really actually talk about what it was. So Desire is Sandals for Swingers. It's a resort where you can go and have all the sexy fun we've been talking about this whole time. And it's also a really nice resort in Mexico. So it's um, we have been cultivating and curating this trip over the last decade and basically queering it up because it desires a very traditional swingery place. And my goal was always to accept the people, not to accept, to invite the people that desire doesn't invite normally so gay men are are invited the reason gay men are not invited rest of the time is because they seem to believe that two straight men will pose as gay in order to get into desire where single men are not allowed so there's that um but we are the only week of the year that not only Uh, accepts gay couples, but invites them. The same with triads, the same with, um, we have trans people who come on our trip. We have people who are poly, swinger, nudist, just curious who come on our trip. It is the geekiest fucking group ever. We literally watched the Doctor Who finale one year because we didn't want to wait till uh, we had to get home to watch it. Um, We have classes and events. I teach a class on pegging. And the nice thing about teaching in Mexico is demonstrations, which are never a thing in in the States here. So you can literally watch me get pegged while we're teaching about pegging in Mexico. Um, But really, we just we just try to create the most diverse and and unique and accepting and loving group of people. Um, I just had a 
blow up on Twitter where I was accused of not accepting everybody. And I made it very clear. I do not accept anybody who would ostracize or exclude the LGBT community. That is it. So if you would do that, you are not really welcome on our trip. If you are not only welcoming of the LGBT community, but supporting of it, we would love to have you on the trip. And uh, it's been an interesting time because the more open you get, the more you lose traditional. So we've definitely lost people because we're too open or too queer. Uh, but if you if you vibe with that, then you, <laughs> you vibe with us for sure. And Brandon and I have both gone and yeah. uh, and intend to go this year if it's possible, if it's safe. Same. Fingers Same. crossed. Yeah. yeah, we will be making a decision at the end of the month. That is the the deadline for us. Yeah. But as of this moment, with the vaccine rollout, and oh, the the one thing is, I don't know if we legally could do this, but I am telling everybody you must be vaccinated to come on this. Um, we're not we're not requiring you to show documentation. Again, if you are willing to lie about vaccination, you're a shitty person, and you shouldn't come on the trip. So, but we are telling everybody they must be vaccinated and there's every likelihood that uh, countries international travel is going to require vaccination by that time. anyway. Yeah. so it should be a safe. Tr- uh, last year, we canceled very early on because we just were not comfortable in March, I think, with where things were going and. So glad we did, but it was it was really rough to lose that because desire is the highlight of my year and it's the thing I work toward all year. Uh, yeah, but it's it's an amazing trip and uh, we always have really really truly awesome like awesome. Lindsay and Brandon. <laughs> it's on my bucket list. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. Someday. Well, I, I have one more thing to oh, plug, yeah. Lindsay, as you yeah. might know. <laughs> Uh, and Lindsay and I are finally writing a book on our pegging class. We're calling it the pegging book. So it's definitive. Um, we are we are really, really rocketing through it. We have a release date set of August 1st, and it may even come out earlier. But we are so excited. We have interviews with prominent people in uh, the sex education and porn communities who are um, all about the pegging. And it is it is written as a friendly chat because we are not doctors and we don't pretend to be. But if you want to find out more or share your own pegging stories, uh, you can do that at thepeggingbook.com. There's a form on the side. So if you just want to know when it's coming out, you can put your email in there. But if you have stories or questions, hit us because we want to make sure this covers all your questions about the sexy act of pegging. Yeah, which we're trying is, to make it as comprehensive yeah. as possible, trying to cover all the bases. And so far, I feel like we're doing a pretty good job. So, Well, so uh, far, yeah. all the questions we've gotten has been like, yep, answered that, yep. answered that. It's great. Yeah. It's been fun writing. It's been a it fun really writing has. process. So, yeah. yeah, so I'm very excited about that. And yeah, well, uh, look forward to us, at least the podcast, talking about that a little bit more as summer comes along, because I'm sure I'm going to want to, it'll be my first book. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be talking it up. And it's got the coolest cover I've ever designed, just <laughs> without without question. I'm really looking forward to a peach photo shoot because the peach emoji is going to be a big part of my life um, <laughs> in my future. Yes. So I may have to have a whole entire uh, peaches photo shoot, which is going to be sure. a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Well, um, 
Thank you all. Does anyone else have anything to add or shout out before we head out? I just want to say thank you to our great guests. This was, I mean, I say this often, this was such a fun podcast, but this was such a fun podcast. And um, I'm definitely pumped up for, you know, play parties to come. Yes. yes. As it were. Yes. (laughs) I'll just say thank you for letting me be a part of this and letting me hop on for something that I actually can talk about. (laughs) (laughs) right it was great it was great to be on uh the podcast again um i definitely am excited about uh play play party starting up again um can't find me anywhere online that's just gonna (laughs) yes maybe here (laughs) but um but yeah uh this has been a really good talk uh this is a lot of me i really appreciate it i'd I'd love to come back anytime just let me know definitely have you back and i can interview the both of you about the book that'd be awesome yeah oh that'd be fun oh that'd be awesome yeah (laughs) okay cool Bye. bye everybody And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.